John chapter number three. John chapter number three, verse number one. The Bible says there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, thank you for the compliments. You got that right. He said, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said unto, said unto him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter in the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say, said unto thee, you must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, thou hearest the sound thereof. But cannot tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. And so is every one that is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel? And knowest, now, knowest not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, We speak that we do know, and testify that we have seen, and ye receive not our witness. And I have told you earthly things and you believe not. How shall you believe if I tell you heavenly things? And no man ascendeth up to heaven, but he that come, came down from heaven, even the Son of Man, which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through the world, through him, might, but the, that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, or he that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light is coming to the world, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. Let's pray to Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this morning. Thank you, Lord, for the eternal promises of God. I'm glad, Lord, that every promise of God is yea and amen. God, if you've promised it, God, if you said it, God, not only can you do it, but you will do it. And we thank you, Lord, that there is nothing that is impossible with God. God, we look at this world that we live in, we look at the problems and the, the issues that seem to plague every day and grow every day. But I'm so thankful this morning, Lord, this world is not my home. God, I'm not investing in a better world. God, I'm not investing in a better uh, uh, environment, Lord, where I am now. Lord, I'm invested in a, foreign, uh, in a country that is far beyond the sky. Lord, I'm invested in a land that is fairer than day. Lord, I'm thankful this morning, Lord, my anchor is not in this world. God, it's not in the means of this world. My anchor rests safely tonight or this morning in heaven. And I pray, Lord, this morning that you'd just help us, Lord, to glean truth from the word of God this morning and speak directly to hearts. And God, Lord, for those that are saved here this morning, those that know, and God, this passage is familiar to them. And God, would you bring it to them one more time this morning and show them, God, how wonderful your word is. God, they've heard it over and over and over and over again, but Lord, I pray, Lord, you'd make it fresh this morning. God, would you remind us, God, how great John 3.16 really is. 
Lord, we've memorized it. God, we can quote it. God, we can, we can do all of that this morning, God. But Lord, in John 3.16 is our hope. John 3.16 is our help. God, John 3.16 is the truth that gets us through the darkest days and the longest nights. Lord, I'm thankful, Lord, for John 3.16. And I pray, Lord, this morning that you'd work in our hearts. And Lord, I pray, Lord, this morning for those. God, they know John 3.16, but they've never experienced it. I pray, Lord, you'd work in their hearts this morning. God, would you draw them unto yourself. God, would they have an experience similar to that of Nicodemus. Lord, where we met the Lord and things just weren't the same afterwards. But we love you and we thank you. God, would you work on our hearts this morning. We'll give you all glory and praise. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. John chapter number three, and no doubt John 3, 16, we'll get there uh, this morning, but oftentimes we know John 3, 16, we, we've heard We've heard it preached, and oftentimes we don't always know the context in which it was given. Jesus is not preaching to the multitudes here. Jesus is not sitting by the seaside with a great crowd around him. Jesus is dealing with an individual. Jesus is dealing with one single man by the name of Nicodemus. And we see here, after this conversation with Christ, and after this encounter with the Lord, Things change in Nicodemus' life. And not just that his life changes, but Nicodemus himself changes. John chapter number three, he's come to the Lord at night. He's come to the Lord under the cover of night. He's trying to not give himself away. He's trying to be seen. He's trying to sneak out and get an audience with the Lord this morning. Aren't you glad when you feel so ashamed that you don't want anybody else around? You don't think anybody else needs to see what you've gone through and hear what you've done? Aren't you glad this morning Jesus knows where you are and Jesus will come and meet you where you are and even though nobody else would even come near you? But here John, chapter number three, Nicodemus is sneaking through the night to get to the Lord. He has this conversation with the Lord. He gets great truths about salvation. John chapter number seven, we see Nicodemus again. And this time he is talking to the Sanhedrin, those that he associates with, those that he, he in essence is in, 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 in power with, those that he governs with. John chapter number seven, he's defending the Lord. He's asking them to at least allow him to uh, defend himself before they bring such accusations to the Lord. But then in John chapter number 19, Jesus has died. Given his life on the cross of Calvary, he's paid the sin debt for every man. John chapter 19, we find Nicodemus sleeping for the Lord in the night. The Bible says that there's two men, Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea. Joseph of Arimathea goes to Pilate and begs for the body of the Lord. They might lay his body in the tomb that it was supposed to be his. Joseph of Arimathea is begging for the Lord. But the Bible says that Joseph of Arimathea goes by night for fear of the Jews. John chapter number 19, Nicodemus shows up with 200 pounds of spices and ointment. 200 pounds. Can I say this morning, I don't care who you are, I don't care where you're from, I don't care how many Wheaties you eat in the morning, you are not sneaking around carrying 200 pounds. If you are, you're not carrying it very long or very far. And so most commentators believe that it wasn't Nicodemus alone, but those servants that were with them make a procession down to where the Lord is. Yes, he's at night, but Nicodemus is no longer ashamed of 
Jesus Christ. If they catch me, they catch me. If they see me, they see me, but I'm going to go to where the Lord is and I'm going to do them a right service. I'm going to do them a great and I'm going to embalm, not embalm, but anoint his body for burial. If they catch me, they catch me. Let me ask you this morning, what changed in Nicodemus's life that he went from one who was sneaking around to find the Lord to one who was willing to walk to where he was and whoever saw him, saw him. I want to put it simply this way. Nicodemus traded religion for a relationship. Nicodemus got rid of his religion and traded it in for a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. This, I want to preach on this thought. He traded something, something real. I want to preach on this thought this morning. Religion versus a relationship. I believe every person can have a real, daily, in-depth, personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ by, by applying the following truths in their own life that Nicodemus did. I want you to see, number one, this morning, the reality of Nicodemus' religion. Verse one and two, introduced to this man, Nicodemus, but before we know his name, we know what he's a part of. The Bible says there was a man, or there is a man, there was a man of the Pharisees, named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. Now, I absolutely love the book of John. In fact, when somebody gets saved by the grace of God, a new convert, a new, a new a baby in Christ growing in their Christian life, I'd always encourage them to turn to the book of John, start at John chapter number one, read the whole thing through, and if you have to, start all over again. Well, preacher, why do you like John so much? Because in John, you just get to walk with the Lord. You get to watch him, hear him teach. You get to watch him do the you get to watch him die. You get to watch him rise again. You get to see all of that in the book of John. It's one of my favorite books because you get to walk with the Lord. As we learn more about the Lord, we also learn the painful truth about who we are, what we're made of, what we ascribe to. See, John chapter number three isn't just a chapter about salvation, but it gives us an in-depth look at the dangers of religion and what religion actually produces. And we see that in the life of Nicodemus. It's amazing how just two small verses can show us how dangerous religion really is. How there's religious exercise, expectations, rules, and regulations that if a man follows and lives for, it'll sadly produce something that is not what the Lord desires or designs out of our life. Can I say this morning, there's only one way to heaven. There's only one way to heaven this morning. It's through the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't care your religious background. I don't care your religious standards, your religious convictions. If you have not trusted Christ as your Savior, heaven is not your home this morning. I don't say that meanly or, or angrily. I say it because I want you to know for sure. These things have I written unto you that you might know that you've passed from death unto life. John would later say, but we see here in John chapter three, the, 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 uh, the exposing of the reality of religion. Notice in John chapter number three, we see that religion calls for education. Religion calls for education. He was what? A Pharisee. He was a Pharisee. I always think of that little children's song that uh, we sing and how they sing about the Pharisees and they're mad because they're not fair, you see. I always think about that, but the Pharisees were more than just uh, people that Jesus seemed to butt heads with. 
These were men who were well-educated. These were men who were well-versed in the word of God. Matter of fact, to become a Pharisee, you couldn't just sign your name at the bottom of the thing and just say, you know what, I, I woke up today and I think I'm gonna be a Pharisee. No, you couldn't do that. You couldn't just show up to the Pharisee club and say, hey, fellas, I'm gonna be a Pharisee. And they'd be like, all right, come join us. No, it was, a, it was an elect group. It was a select group. It was an elite group. And it was men who knew, not just knew what the first five books of the Bible said, the Pentateuch, but could quote it verbatim. Word for word. Truth be told, the Pharisees probably know more Bible and can quote more Bible than me and you probably ever will. And we see that this morning that Nicodemus is a man of the Pharisees. He has been called into that group. He has been allowed into that group. He's been brought in to the Pharisaical brotherhood. And so no doubt Nicodemus is an educated man because religion requires education. It calls for education, here's the thing, with all of his knowledge, with all of his, his learning, with all of his education, he missed the main point. And here's the thing, oftentimes this education that they had, this understanding, this knowledge that they had, it did not lead to enlightenment, but rather it, le it led to entitlement. These Pharisees would hold their education over those who weren't as educated as them. They would say things like this. You have to take my word on it because you don't know what the Bible says. Or you don't know what the word of God says. You don't know what the law says. And here's the thing. They would say, don't go study it for yourself. Just take my word for it. And it produced this entitlement. I am better than you because I know more than you. Can I say this morning, that attitude has no place in the church this morning. This attitude has no place behind the pulpit this morning. That attitude has no place in the Christian life. Matter of fact, if you ever get around a preacher or a pastor who says things like this, hey, you don't need to worry, read the word of God for yourself. You just take it from me. Can I say that's dangerous and get out? Can I say this morning, whatever I say behind the pulpit, you have all right and you have all reason to go home yourself and study it for yourself. Matter of fact, I encourage you to do so this morning. But here, religion calls for education that produces entitlement. I'm smarter than you because I know more about what the Bible has to say. We find Nicodemus, he's in that group. He has a great education. Notice this, religion in Nicodemus' life had caused promotion. It had caused promotion. Look what it says in verse number one. A man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. A ruler of the Jews. You'll study out and find out Nicodemus was part of the Sanhedrin, the governing body of Israel. Those who set the laws and established the rules among the Jews. You could say this morning that religion has given a lot to Nicodemus. He has power. He has influence. He has popularity. He's not just a Pharisee. He's not just one who's educated in the, in the law of God, but he is a ruler of the Jews. People come to him asking for help. People come to him for, to, to, to settle disagreements and to settle problems. He establishes and put in things into power. Nicodemus has gained a lot from religion. He's a ruler of the Jews. He's got wealth, popularity, influence, power. It's all from religion. It would have been easier to let go if it hadn't been so good to him. Can I say so many times, religion's so hard to let go of because it's so ingrained into us. We were raised around, we were raised in it, we were taught this, we were taught that. 
even though what we're taught doesn't line up with the word of God, sometimes it's hard to let go. go. Those that struggle the hardest, typically with salvation, are those that are raised around the truth. Those that are raised around the, 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 the teachings and the preachings of the Bible this morning because it's so easy to say, well, I've been around it my whole life. It's all that I've ever known. Can I say this morning, I'm not talking down to nobody, anything like that. God, when he saved me, he didn't find me in the crack house. When God saved me, he didn't find me at a bar getting drunk out of my mind. When God saved me, he didn't find me with drugs coursing through my body. When God saved me, he found me in my living room having just come home from church. Having been faithful to church, having been to Bible college, having done all of that, when the Lord saved me, I had to let go of my, can I say this morning, I don't, don't think I'm any better than you, don't think that I'm any greater than you, it took just as much grace to save me out of religion as it did to save the drunkard out of the, the, the bar, the, the, the drug addict out of the crack. Aren't you glad this morning that the, the ground is level at Calvary? Grace covers it all this morning. But religion's hard to let go of. Here's the thing, if Nicodemus wasn't so educated, he wasn't so promoted, he wasn't so powerful, he probably would have met Jesus in the middle of the day. But he's got to hide that because he don't want anybody finding out about this. So he comes up at night, religion has educated Nicodemus. Religion has promoted Nicodemus. But verse number two, religion has left Nicodemus lacking. Look at verse number two. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, I read about your prophecy in Genesis. I see your picture in the tabernacle. I see your great salvation as Israel's marched out of the Red Sea. It's not what he says. Notice what he says in verse number two. We know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with them. Here's a man who's educated. Here's a man who's got influence and power. He's telling other people how to be good religious people. And all he's got is assumptions. All he's got is I think so's and I hope so's. The man he's speaking to isn't just come from God. He's the very son of God. The man who's doing miracles doesn't just have miraculous power every now and again. He is the very essence of miraculous Notice what he says right there at the end of verse number two, except God be with him. Can I say God just wasn't with him? He was God in the flesh. See, religion, it's given him education. It's given him power. It's given him a good life, so to speak. He's, he's doing okay for himself. But when it comes to the single most important thing, he has no idea on how it's done and how it's accomplished. See, Nicodemus was that typical religious person. He knew a lot about God. He could see that there was something different about the Lord, but he failed to recognize that it was the Lord. That it was God that he was speaking with and talking to in the flesh. Can I say this one? Religion always does that. You can appear godly. 
You can appear religious. You can appear like you have everything going on. You can say the right things, do the right things, be honest, be respectful, do all of that wonderful stuff this morning, but none of that is the, the, the means of salvation this morning. None of that brings salvation into your life. None of that equates to salvation this morning. There's only one way to heaven. It's through the Lord Jesus Christ, and there's a lot of people in, in, our, in our day and age, in our society, maybe even in the church this morning, they know a lot about God. They don't know him. They don't know him. Let me ask you this morning, could the same be said about you and described about you as Nicodemus is here in John number three? Oh, he knows a lot about God and he knows how to act religious, but he doesn't know God. We see, number one, the reality of Nicodemus's religion it gave him power, it gave him education, but left him with assumptions. Notice number two this morning, we see the clear explanation by Christ. Number two, the clear explanation given by the Lord. John chapter number three, verses three through 17 this morning. Jesus just lays it out there for him. And that's, like, like when I was reading it this morning, he gives all these credentials. Lord, you must be from God. You do great miraculous things. You, obviously God is with you and you must be from heaven. You must be, you're different than everybody else. And Jesus says, verily, verily, I say unto you, except the man be born again, he shall not see the kingdom of God. He cannot see the kingdom of God this morning. Jesus doesn't waste any breath. Jesus doesn't step back and say, well, thank you so much for the kind comments. He says, Nicodemus, you must be born a Again, I can see the gears in Nicodemus's mind get to turning. All, all them books he's memorized ain't making sense now. All the education he's got, it has fallen at the foot of reason and there's no answer. Because he looks at the Lord and he asks a question that most of us would step back and say, that is the most weirdest question to ask in the moment. Obviously, that's not what the Lord's talking about. He said, how can a man enter back into the womb of his mother a second time? Can I say this morning, there's never been a time in my life before I got saved, while I got saved, and after I got saved that I've ever thought, you know what? I wonder if I could go back into my mother's womb But here's Nicodemus, a well-educated man, a man who's making rules and regulations for an entire country, who is on the, the, the board of boards, so to speak. He's, he's looking at the Lord and how am I supposed to go back into my mother's womb? I can see the gear. Here's the thing, all that education, all that reasoning, you cannot reason the gospel this morning. You cannot reason biblical salvation this morning. It has to be received as a promise from God. Not a reason that we understand or not a reason that we figure out on our own. Nicodemus is trying to make sense of all of it. He just can't connect the dots. Paul put it this way in 1 Corinthians. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. It takes faith. If Jesus said, I must be born again, I don't know exactly how that works. Nicodemus could have said, but I trust him. I'm going to be born again. However, that's going to happen just don't call my mama. Here's the thing, you cannot reason your way to a relationship with the Lord. You can only receive it. Thankfully, the Lord doesn't say, all right, Nicodemus, you must be born again. See you later. He lays it out for him. He gives a clear explanation of what salvation really is and how it can be attained. He gives a clear command. You must be born again. That's clear. 
It's concise. It's confident. Ye must be born again. That's why when the preacher stands behind the pulpit and he says, hey, listen, you need to trust Christ. You need to trust him today. Today is a day of salvation. I'm not trying to scare you this morning. I'm not trying to get an emotional reaction from you this morning. I'm trying to help you to realize that God loves you enough that he gave you an opportunity to be saved by the grace of God. Without Christ, there is no hope for you. He said that it gives a clear command. You must be born again. Then he gives a clear breakdown. Nicodemus asked that question in chapter number three and verse number four. How can I do that? It's naturally impossible. Salvation this morning, I heard me glad salvation is not a physical action, but it's a spiritual one. God didn't save my physical body. God saved my soul and my spirit this morning. I'm glad one day that I'm gonna leave this body behind. I'll get a new one one day and I'm looking forward to that. I'm glad salvation is not a physical action. It's a spiritual birth this morning. Then he asked Nicodemus, Nicodemus, you ever seen the wind? Oh, Pocahontas got it wrong at Disney. She said, you can see all the colors of the wind. Jesus said, you ever thought about the wind, Nicodemus? I loved how the Lord taught and preached. Because it just, when he was done, you got it. I get it, I understand. But notice this, he, he brings out the illustration of the wind in verse number eight. Look at it, he, he said, he asked Nicodemus this question. Nicodemus, where does the wind start and where does the wind stop? Let me ask you this morning, where does the wind start and where does the wind stop? To be honest with you, I'm nowhere near as educated as Nicodemus and nowhere near as educated on the, the, the thoughts and the, the science of meteorology, but I have no idea where the wind starts and where the wind ends. I just know there's wind. How is it? I watch it blow through the trees. I don't know where it started at. I don't know where it stops at. I just see as it I feel it on as it blows through me. The same in essence this morning. What Nick, uh, Jesus was trying to get Nicodemus to see is that God has always been. God has always been. We 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 in our reasoning we we want to go back to where it all started and where where God began. But God has always been, and God will always be this morning. He's eternal this morning, but we can see the effect that it has, the direct impact. You may not know where it started. You may not know where it ends, but you know when it's blowing on you. <laughs> you know when it's blowing through your yard and through your, your neighborhood and through your, your life. And, and you know when the wind is blowing. Can I say this morning, you may not understand all the things about the eternality of God and the doctrines of God and his, and his creation and all how great and wonderful he is, his omnipotence, his sovereignty. You may not know that, but all you know this morning is that the wind is blowing in your heart. God is dealing with your heart this morning. You don't know where it started. You don't know when it's going to end. Can I say this morning, if he's blowing on your heart, if he's dealing with you this morning, do not push him away. So Nicodemus, think about the wind. Give him an illustration. Then notice number 14 and 15. He gives historical evidence and a historical allusion, so to speak. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted out. Nicodemus knows that book. He knows the account. He, he's, he's, he's read that. He's memorized it. He's literally quoted it from his lips back to somebody Jesus said, hey, you remember in, in, in the wilderness when they got bit by that snake and Moses lifted up that brazen serpent? He said, what happened to everybody that looked upon the serpent? Nicodemus said, they lived. 
They believed that God could save them if they would just look upon the serpent, which is a picture of Calvary, which is a picture of the cross, the finished work of Jesus Christ. Can I say this morning, I'm thankful this morning my, my salvation is not based on my ability, but there was a day in my life where I looked at Calvary and said, he did that for me and I'm trusting in him. Can I say this morning, when you do that, when you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, repent of your sins, salvation is yours. Gave him a clear illusion, illustration. Then he clears it up in verse number 50. That whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Then he gives, verse 16 and 17, he gives a clear synopsis. He said, in conclusion, Nicodemus, I said all of that to say this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Verse 17, for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through the world man might, or him might be saved this morning. He said, Nicodemus, I didn't come to condemn you. I didn't come to ruin your day. I didn't come to tear up your, all." he said, I didn't, I didn't come to do all that. He said, I came to save you. And here's the thing, I can see, it starts with you must be born again and as Jesus talks to Nicodemus, it gets clearer and clearer and clearer. The time he ends up, he says, boy, if I just believe on him, I can have eternal life. I went and got these glasses, I guess a couple of months ago. And uh, I sat down in that little room. And that guy put that thing up in front of my face. And he started clicking buttons. And I was staring off at the wall, staring at letters on the wall. that I was trying to memorize the lowest place. Because, <laughs> you know, that makes you have good vision. And then he was like, yeah, he didn't get that one right. I said, well, click another one. But he started clicking those things. He'd say, first, one or two. One or two. And I had to tell him which one was clear. And it's amazing what started off as a blur. Through a series of clicks, and he knew what he was doing, that which was blurry became clear. It came into focus. That is what Nicodemus has experience with the Lord here this morning. He said, you must be born again. Nicodemus said, how? That makes no sense. By the time it was all said and done through the teaching and the, the explanation of the Lord Jesus Christ, Nicodemus gets it. I have to trust you, believe on you, and accept you for who you are and for what you're going to do. Can I say this morning, maybe the Lord's been dealing with your heart about salvation. Yeah, maybe you had a praying grandma, praying grandpa, friend at work, something like that, just something inside of you say, hey, you probably need to go to church this morning. You probably need to go, probably, probably need to go there or go here and you've been wondering why, why, and now the Lord's made it clear. He wants to save you. He wants to change your life. He's brought into focus this morning. Let me ask you, is the Lord drawing you to him through a clear presentation of the gospel? Ah, preacher, I'm already saved. I, I already know that for sure, Preacher. Let me ask you this morning then, who are you going to share a clear presentation with this week? Who are you going to sit down with and say, hey, you got a few minutes, I just want to tell you how Jesus can save you. <laughs> now, I understand being polite. I understand if I'm knocking on someone's door, I'm in their territory, all that kind of stuff. But Jesus didn't say, Nicodemus, do you mind if I share the gospel with you? He said, you must be born again. Why? Well, he knew what Nicodemus' need was. And sometimes the Lord puts people in our heart and we know what their need is. We know what they desperately need. We need to take the advantage of that and use it for the glory of God to share the gospel with them. 
we see number one, the clear, or the, the, what religion had produced. We see the clear expectation. Then notice number three this morning, the convicting invitation was extended. John chapter three, verse 18 through 21. The Lord not only presents Nicodemus with the truth, he gives an opportunity to, to accept it, to respond to it, to act upon that which has been presented to him. His invitation was clear. Verse number 18, he that believeth on him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. He says, Nicodemus, you're already condemned. You're already a sinner. You've already done wrong. You've already transgressed the law of God. He says, you're already condemned because of who you are and what you do and because of your nature. He said, but you don't have to stay there. You don't have to live there. It's amazing how grace changes things, how salvation changes things because all of us, before we got saved, found ourselves in the second half that we were already condemned. We were born sinners headed to a place called hell because we have transgressed the law of God. But the day I got saved, the Bible says there is therefore now no condemnation because I believed in the one who paid the sin debt because I put my faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now I have been removed from condemnation to no condemnation. I'm no longer condemned this morning. Matter of fact, I'm blessed. Whether I have a financial blessing, a bigger house or a nicer car, I'm already blessed this morning because heaven is my home. One person said it this way throughout the years, all this in heaven too. I thank the Lord for it this morning. But he gives a, he invited him out of condemnation. Nicodemus, you don't have to stay there. You can get out of condemnation. But notice this, he invited him out of darkness into light. Look at verse number 19 through 21. And this is the condemnation that light come into the world. And men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Can I give you a hard truth this morning? Preacher, how come some people don't get saved when they're presented with the gospel? They love darkness. They love their sin. And they can't let it go and walk into the light. Because they know if they walk into the light, sin's going to be dealt with. Sad reality, it's a sad truth. But most people, not all of them, that reject Christ, reject so because they love sin more than they do the Lord. Notice as he invited them out of darkness into light. John 19 through 21, Jesus talks about walking out of darkness into light. But he's not just talking about walking out of a dark room into a lit room, a room where the lights are on. He's talking about walking out of death in the life. Because Jesus referred to himself as the light. John 8, 12, then spake Jesus unto again, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me not, or followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. John 9, 5, as long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. John 12, 46, I am come a light into the world that whosoever believeth in, on me should not abide in darkness. He said, Nicodemus, you can walk out of condemnation tonight, and tonight you can walk out of darkness into light. We all watched those movies growing up. Battle scenes going on. Somebody is mortally wounded and they're laying there struggling for breath and trying to make out that last word. And they'll say something along these lines. I see a light. And typically that person will say, don't go towards the light. 
Why? Because they figure if you go towards the light, you're going to die. Can I encourage you this morning to go towards the light? Go towards the Lord this morning. Can I say this morning, if you come to him, the Bible says he'll no wise cast you out. Matter of fact, he wants to take you out of condemnation. He's not up in heaven sitting high on his throne saying, you, 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 I hope you go to hell. I hope you, I hope you don't ever, ever trust me. I, I, I don't want anything to do with you. No, he said, would you just trust me? I did everything that I could do and that can be done that needs to be done. If you just take that and you just trust that, you could walk out of condemnation into non-combination. You could walk out of the darkness into light and your life will never be the same. If you'll just come to me, if you'll just come to Christ this morning. Now, we don't have the account of it. But there was somewhere in Nicodemus' life, in his story, where he said, you know what? I'm going to do what he said. I'm going to do what he said. <laughs> and though I can't wrap my, my educated mind around it, Lord, I want you to born me again. Lord, I want you to birth me again. I want you to save me. That's why Nicodemus in John 19 is different from Nicodemus in John chapter number 3. It's not because he's become super more educated. It's not because he's become a more moral man. He trusted Christ. And he said, if they catch me going to him, that's fine. Because there's nowhere else I'd rather be than around him. Can I say this morning, there's a big difference between religion and a relationship. Religion actually pulls you away from Christ. A relationship brings you closer to Christ. Let me ask you this morning, do you have religion or you, do you have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? Let's all stand this morning, every head bowed, every eye closed.